It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Legends of the Carolinas. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, the sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer, where I've worked since 1994. And after doing this job for nearly 30 years, a lot of times I get the question, who are the people you've enjoyed interviewing the most? In this podcast, I try to answer that question by returning to some of those people for in-depth conversations about sports and about life. Title IX passed in 1972, and so they had to develop and start women's programs. I would say that there's absolutely no question that I am a product of Title IX. I believe that if Title IX had not passed, I would not have had the opportunity at Charlotte that I had. For this episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas, I'm glad to have former UNC Charlotte Athletic Director Judy Rose. We visited Judy in her home, where she lives with her husband Ken on Lake Norman, about 25 miles northwest of Charlotte. Judy Rose was the athletic director for the Charlotte 49ers for an astounding 28 years, from 1991 to 2018. Before that, she was the school's women's basketball coach, a job she earned after serving as an assistant basketball coach at Tennessee for the legendary Pat Summit. Under Judy Rose's leadership, the 49ers established a football program and helped host the 1994 Men's Final Four. Often an unsung hero content to let others take the credit, she has been recognized as a member of both the North Carolina and the South Carolina Sports Hall of Fames. When you have a job that allows you to impact the lives of so many young people, you are blessed, and I have truly been blessed. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening, and consider a digital subscription to the Charlotte Observer. Judy Rose, next on Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Judy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome to our home. (laughs) Thank you for having us. We appreciate that. Uh, Let's start with this. One common denominator in all your work as an AD, I would imagine, is so often you were probably the only female in the room. Uh, College athletic directors even now is a very male-dominated field, and I'm sure even more so at the early part of your career. So what was your strategy handling that? You know, that's interesting because you're absolutely correct uh, in regard to being the only female in the room. And I'll never forget that uh, I was trying to find mentors for me. And our, our chancellor at the time, Jim Woodward, said, well, Judy, I've got two female mentors for you, but they're not in sports. And he mentioned Dale Halton, CEO of Pepsi-Cola Bottling Company, and Pat Rogers, CEO of Rogers Builders. And he said, 
they are in male-dominated professions. It's not sports, but it's the same situation you're dealing with. Now, you're going to go have to go find within the NCAA some male mentors that will help you in this regard. But there were two national organizations at the time, one NACTA, uh, the National Athletic Directors Association, and, and one was NACWA, National Women's Administrators. Mm. I chose to go with NACDA because I'm like, that's who I'm going to be in meetings with. And, and the women in NACWA got very upset with me that I didn't join. I said, we can't afford to join both. I don't have time to do both. And, and really kind of got, I don't want to say snubbed a little bit, uh, but they were not happy with the fact that I, I chose NACDA because of the being with athletic directors. And you knew who you were I knew who dealing I was, with. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm not the athletic director for women's sports or men's sports. I'm the athletic director for the university, and I have to make a decision that's best for the university. You were the, correct me if I'm wrong, the third female athletic director at a Division One university? That's that correct. Right? The other two were from out west, and mm. I did not know them and didn't, didn't really interact with them at all. And haven't you said before, tell me this story, didn't you originally, when offered that job, say you weren't sure that you wanted it? The AD the job AD here. Job. I, yeah. I did tell you that. And it was interesting. Jeff Mullins uh, was our basketball coach and athletic director. And that's the way we could afford to hire someone in that position. So I knew my role. I was associate athletic director, but my job was to really run the administrative part of the program uh, so that Jeff could coach the, the team. Um, and some things happened in the North Carolina system where the head of the North Carolina system said no longer can a men's basketball or football coach also hold the title of athletic director. And it, that decision was going to be made. And for the upcoming, there's like two to three months notice before the new academic year was going to start, uh, changes were going to have to be made. And Jeff came into my office uh, one day and he said, Judy, um, you know, I'm not going to fight this. He said, I can go play golf now and coach basketball. And he said, my salary's going to remain the same and those type things. And he said, you've been running the program. I told the chancellor that you should be the next athletic director. And I think he's going to offer it to you on next week. And this was on a Friday. And I'll never forget, Ken, Ken and I lived in Harrisburg at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, my stomach was just churning. And when I got home, Ken, you know, I came in and uh, then he came home and, and I said, I need to talk to you. And he wasn't paying any attention to me. He was going through the mail. I'm like, no, I need you to come over here and sit down on the couch. I really need to talk to you. And I tell him that. And he goes, well, hon, that's great. He said, now you're going to probably get a paycheck that's reflective of what you're doing. And, and that's just awesome. And I paused and I said, I don't know if I want it. And the look on his face, he goes, I, you you got to help me with this. I don't understand that. You've been doing the job. I said, I know, but I always had that buffer that I knew Jeff would back me on something. And he goes, but Judy, you've done every, you've run every division within it, whether it be ticket operations or marketing, you've overseen it. And, and I said, but I don't, I don't know any other female ADs. And that after that is when Jim Woodward kicked in when I met with him and, uh, uh, I said, he said, we're going to expect you to do some things differently than we have in the past. You're going to have to raise money. 
And they didn't require that before because you had to coach as well as be an athletic director. And so I said, okay, uh, I I can do that. But then I was just really concerned about. What were you hesitant about? Like what made you just because I didn't just I didn't know any other women in it. And and even though I'd been attending NCAA meetings, I knew that Jeff really held the title of AD. And I don't know why. I think it's just because I didn't know any other women that were doing it. And it just made me nervous yeah. about it. Yeah. And, and would I be accepted right. into that? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And so I, I just really made sure that I, the most important thing to me is that I kept my value system. Um, I wanted to be respected for being ethical and making those type of decisions. And, and I didn't want to be confronted with things that I thought would be inappropriate. And I, and I just kept telling myself, you're the athletic director for the entire program. And you've got to act like the athletic director for the entire program. And you've got to make decisions on what's best for the entire program, even if you get criticized for those decisions. Did And I'm sure that, that job comes with criticism always. There's no doubt about that. In those early years, before you had established yourself as um, a preeminent AD who had been, you know, you were on the NCAA men's Division One basketball committee, it was a very prestigious post, have won a ton of awards, but early – before all that, did men ever try to railroad you, like say, oh, you know, just kind of, that's Judy, you know, we can get what we can get our way, whatever, and kind of steamroll you a little bit or not? Uh, not, not really, but I, I reflect back on a meeting we were trying to get into the Metro Atlantic Conference. I think that was the one at the time, and um, I had to meet with all of the athletic directors at a meeting. It was at an NCAA conference, but they called a meeting because I was going to make the presentation about us changing conferences and going into that conference. And I'll never forget in the room, Bill McClellan was the athletic director at Southern Miss at the time. And he had been at Clemson. And I'd done my homework ahead of time. I'd kind of looked up each person and tried to look at the background and everything. But I'm in the room making the presentation, and he is not paying one bit of attention to what I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, you read the room, you know, because you've done this enough where you're giving a speech or whatever. And if your speech isn't too good, you're like, oh, i got to switch over here, and they're not paying attention. Well, he was just really not giving me the time of day. And so they took a break, and I was going to come back and do some more. And so I went over to him, and I said... uh, Bill, I said, um, how's your daughter Susie doing? Susie was at Winthrop. She was a freshman when I was a senior. Oh, nice. And uh, she was a very good field hockey player. Very good. I said, is she coaching? And his whole demeanor changed. I mean, I had him really eating out of the palm of my hand. There. <laughs> I mean, I had his vote. I had everything. And I said, I'm, I'm sure you probably have grandchildren by now. We're going through this whole scenario. But just bringing it closer to home for him. Yeah. And, and he kind of adopted me. He took me under his wing. And, and in meetings, he w- I mean, he was so inclusive and just uh, so. How about that? Yeah. Just by doing your homework, really. Well, and you, yeah, and being smart and using kind of a gentle touch as opposed to just saying, why aren't you listening yeah, to just, me? Just, yeah. just being annoyed as right. I was that he was <laughs> right. not paying attention. Well, let's back up, Judy. Tell me about growing up. Uh, I grew up in Spartanburg, South Carolina. You grew up in Blacksburg, South Carolina. So tell me what that was like, your family. Uh, I know you had a bunch of a large family, but tell us about that. Um, I'm one of six children um, and my dad was vice president of a um, 
manufacturing company there, foam rubber and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but the company was based out of Chicago, and they wanted us to move to Chicago. My dad said, I will not raise my family in Chicago. But my mom died early, young. She was in her, like, 46 when she passed away of cancer. So the three older children, I uh, have four sisters uh, and one brother, and uh, three, uh, two of my sisters were at Winthrop. All five girls graduated from Winthrop. Man. I will say that. Yeah. Um, but the two sister, older sisters were there when my mom passed away, and my brother was at the Citadel. And then the three younger ones, we were like uh, eighth, ninth grade, uh, eighth grade, tenth grade, and eleventh grade. You're the home. fifth out of six. Right. Yeah. And all of us played sports in high school because mm. in Blacksburg, you know, there were like. 2,500 people, maybe, mm -hmm. in Blacksburg. That mm -hmm. might even be counting animals, I should say that for sure. And, you know, we created our own fun. And, and, and in the summers, we were out, out playing kick the can and things till dark. And you didn't have to worry about where your kids were. You could ride your bike all over town mm -hmm. and those type of things that you can't do today. But uh, And my, our, our family's still very, very close. My dad lived to be 81. Uh, and so, um, uh, good upbringing in a small town. Wouldn't, wouldn't trade it really uh, for anything because it kind of helps define in, in, in your high school experience and junior high school experience. You, you know everybody, and actually integration occurred during that time period uh, oh, okay. when I was there, and and that was an, an interesting dynamic to follow. And so, how good of a pl of a player were you in high school and college? Well, I know you played at Winthrop. I was captain all through junior high and high school and, and two years at Winthrop of the team. I was a good player. I was point guard. I wasn't a great player, but I was a good player. And, and, and team was everything to me. And I think you learn those teamwork skills if you got six kids in a family. We had one television set. And I remember my dad said, uh, y'all figure it out. You know, we're like, well, my brother Talmadge wants to watch this Star Trek or whatever. Every day, we don't want to watch that. He said, figure it out. Just figure it out. <laughs> what did the girls want to watch in the Wilkins household? Oh, probably Andy Griffin. And, yeah. you know, I don't even remember back then. God, I'm too old to remember what was even on TV back then. That's pretty Andy sad. Andy Griffin probably was, yeah, that's still on today. That's, uh, that's, and that's small town Southern life for sure. Uh, and so then you went to Winthrop. Was it an all-girls school at that time? It was all girls until my senior year. Mm. In my senior year, it, it became co-ed. Okay, right. And you played basketball. And was that under, was it a scholarship program? Or was no, the, you were, no, no scholarships. Y'all were paying, so. you were playing, but you were also paying for tuition. Yeah. Your dad uh, yeah. sent all five to yeah. Winthrop, huh? Funny mm. story there. When the last uh, sister was going to be graduating, my dad got a call from the alumni office and they said that they wanted to take a picture, the president did, with all five girls since my dad had sent us all to Winthrop. He, had said, he told us, he said, I can afford to send you to a state-supported school. It's a great uh, teacher education uh, school, and so that's where you're going to go. And so when the last one graduated and we're there, my dad, they take the picture, and my dad says, so are you going to name a dorm after me? And the president looked at him, my dad, and he said, what? And he goes, I know I have paid for one. Five times four is 20, and there were some summer schools in there. And he said, tuition, all that time period. And so the dorm didn't get named after him. But uh, there is a brick there that I put in his okay, name. There yes, you go. there's a brick. Right. Well, good. We'll be back right after this. It's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. Were you originally thinking you were going to be a teacher or a coach or what? Yes, I, I was. My plan all along was to teach physical education. That's what I was majoring in, uh, and and to coach basketball, until I did my student teaching at a junior high school in Rock Hill, and and uh, every day was a new day for sure. And there was people. There were young people in the locker rooms fighting each other, pulling hair out. Those that didn't want to dress out in the uniform and and play, you know, just your your gym uniform. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? This is what I'm majoring in. And, and so uh, I had planned on going to graduate school. And, and I had an older sister that was a, a pharmacist. And she said, Judy, you need to go straight through where Daddy will pay for it. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes. Don't <laughs> she, take a break. She yeah. said, don't take a break. Go straight <laughs> through. And so uh, a lot of my professors had gotten their degrees, their master's degrees at Tennessee. And so they had suggested that I go to Tennessee. And so I, I went for a weekend up to Tennessee and uh, applied and got offered an assistantship, but I turned it down because I, in my mind, I thought, gosh, I can't imagine what graduate school is going to be like. It's probably going to be so hard. And I was a good student at Winthrop. And, but I was like, I, I, I just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And, that's and right. I'm going to yeah. that next level. And so I turned it down, but then they offered it to me again once I got there. And uh, so I accepted it and then met Pat Summit and Sylvia Hatchell. And the three of us were the coaches for the women's basketball team. Did that team have scholarships? No, not no, no, no. At that time, you and Pat Summit and Sylvia Hatchell, that was a star studded group. And you were all young. We were we were all 20 to 21 years old. Oh, my God. I mean, right. and we were. I'm like, they have entrusted us with all these young people, and we're dropping them. And and I, I mean, I think we were pretty mature, but we still had some of yeah. the yeah immaturity in us during that time period. She was um, 
Did she go by Pat then? She so did. she was Pat Head, Pat Head at the yeah. time. Right. And Pat yeah. had played in the World University Games. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a picture of her on Sports Illustrated by the Russian girl that was just absolutely huge. And, and really, it looked like David and Goliath in, really? in the picture yeah. on the cover. Uh, and, you know, we figured out that actually I had played against Pat at a tournament in Appalachian, and we didn't know each other huh, then. Yeah. Did she have the intimidatory uh, style was she very intimidating to those girls at that age because yes. later she became yes she did have it she had it even then she, she yeah. did and, and, and Pat's one of those people that you know she was not harsh in any way with language or, or use foul language or any of that but she called a spade a spade and she wanted you if she told you to do something you better do it and if you didn't, that glare was there. And, you know, I think a lot of it came from her background. If you've read much about Pat, she and her father were kind of at not odds over the years. But, you know, she said that I, I think the only time he ever told her he loved her, he was, he was one of those that just didn't say, I love you. Yes. And and Pat was public about all of that in, in, um, throughout her career. And so she made sure when she had a child that, you know, he had all of the love expressions and those type things but but i think pat wanted the kids to know she loved them and a lot of that was through discipline in regard and i think all her kids graduated mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken so but I'll, I'll tell this story uh it was kind of funny we were hiring a men's basketball coach and it was um the chancellor and myself and, and this is at unc this charlotte this is at unc charlotte okay and we are hosting the women's Final Four in 1996, and the regionals were being played. And I had interviewed Melvin Watkins during the day because we were going with an outside person and got some news late in the process and decided to switch over. And so I tell the chancellor he needs to interview Melvin. And he says, well, I'm going to interview him tonight, Judy. And you be close by so that you can come back afterwards. So I couldn't drive all the way back up here. So I, uh, Ken and I met at a sports bar, and uh, it was in Cotswold area. And we're watching Tennessee play Virginia. And Virginia is killing Tennessee by like almost close to 20 points when I get the phone call from Jim Woodward that I need to come back and meet. And so Ken says, Judy, I'm afraid that Tennessee's not going to make it here to the Final Four. I know you really wanted them to come and wanted Pat to be here. And I said, yeah. And I said, but don't, don't. He goes, Judy, they'll never make up this differential. And I'm like, nah, you've not been with her at halftime. You've not been in the locker room at halftime. Long story short, I go back and, and meet with the chancellor and everything. And I don't know if we've won. I mean, we, Tennessee, yeah. had won or lost. But they won. And Ken said, I couldn't believe it. He said, you were right. After He said, I don't know what she did at halftime. But when they came back out, they were a different team. I said, it's the stare. <laughs> the stare got them. <laughs> the stare yeah. was part of it. She was, she was scary, man, in, in a good way, though. <laughs> in a good yeah, way. Yeah, in a good way. She could really motivate you. Did she ever get uh, angry with you and give you the stare? No. No. You I got were... angry with her. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Pat Pat was on Pat's schedule. Ah. Uh, okay? I yeah. mean, she really was. We were supposed to go play tennis. And I'm waiting on her to play tennis. And I'm waiting on her to play tennis. And she she shows up like an hour later. And I'm like, I'm not playing now. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I would call her out on it. And, she would, and she'd go, Judy, I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. I, she said, I, I said, no. 
Because, I mean, I know her, and I, I love her. Another example, after we, it had been 25 years since Sylvia and Susan, and Susan Phillips was another colleague. Now, yeah. she ended up being a college tennis coach for a little while. Uh, but long story short, I, I contacted Pat, Sylvia, and Susan, and I said, y'all, I just looked at the calendar. This is going to be 25 years since we all graduated from Tennessee. Now, we've gotten together over the years, and we've gotten together when Pat won two different championships, but it's been a long time. So I'm inviting you and your spouses and your kids to come up to the lake and we'll just have a lake weekend. So we all agree we're going to do it. We agree on the date. It's four days before everybody's supposed to be here. (laughs) So I haven't heard if Pat's flying or she's driving. So I contacted her admin and I said, am I supposed to pick Pat up at the airport? Is she driving or is she flying? And there's this pause. I knew what was coming. Uh-oh. I just knew it from, from our days in grad school. I knew it. And she goes, Judy, Pat's recruiting. I'm going to have to get back with you on that. So I waited. And then Pat phone rings and it's Pat. And she goes, Judy, Judy, you, you got the wrong date. <laughs> I, I said, excuse me? I said, I've got the wrong date. I'm hosting. And I said, and and interestingly enough, Susan and Sylvia have the same date. And she goes, Judy, I'm I'm giving a speech to Kodak, uh, and I'm getting paid a lot of money. It's going to buy this condo for me. Help me buy this condo down in Florida. She goes, okay. She goes, so you were coming on Thursday. She goes, y'all pick me up at the airport on Friday. And, and, uh, And so... I've known Pat for so long. I'm like, okay, so we pick her up, and then everything ends up being fine. Uh, so she managed to do both things. Yes, that's, that's yes. not surprising either. huh? So after Tennessee, Judy, I know you were offered a couple of jobs. You ended up, though, at UNC Charlotte. I'm sure at the time you didn't know you were going to be there for 43 years. <laughs> but you weren't the obviously hired as the AD. Tell me about what what you were hired to do and – and what you had to do to do that job. When I was hired in 1975, university had, I think, maybe 8,000 students. And I was hired to be the first women's basketball coach. And that, that was what I wanted to be. And uh, some other things went along with that is if you coach basketball, you will coach tennis. Like, I can do that. And you will teach one class each semester of physical education. I can do that. And you will be over the lifeguards. And I went, the lifeguards? And I said, I don't even have my WSI. And they're like, well, you don't need a WSI to be over them. And I'm like, yeah, but I took this course at Winthrop about liability. And I'm like, I I would be responsible if something happened. They're like, oh, you're going way too deep in this. And and I'm like, okay. And so uh, I did all of those jobs. And uh, I I think I was a good basketball coach. Uh, But I did. We had no scholarships. Um, and we had limited resources. We traveled by van, which I drove uh, <laughs> to and from the games. Uh, and um, my kids today, I call it my kids, my former players, they, they go, you know, you kind of drove like a maniac. I'm like, what do you mean I drove like a maniac? <laughs> I'm like, we had to get to where we were going and come back. And, and, you know, I probably did speed a little bit. I'm not sure about that. But, um, but I would drive around the parking lot during the day in my car to try to find tall girls 
Oh my god. That gosh. would be on our team. Uh, and and um, you mean like you drive drive around the dorms and stuff? Dorm or parking like- lots and and all through campus looking for people coming to their cars when 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 classes would get out. And I, I rolled them. I wanted to say, excuse me, excuse me, did you have you played basketball? <laughs> you know? And I mean that sounds crazy. And that's one of the stories. You said you had to play NC State once, and that was kind of a rough one. Well, we didn't actually have to. I scheduled that one, and that was a huge mistake. Uh, so we go to NC. State. Again, no scholarships with us. By that time, I'm sure State had scholarships. And we just got pummeled. I mean, it was not even a contest. And I was—I mean, I quit calling timeouts. I just wanted the game to be over with. And, and I'm sure my players did because I didn't have anything new or different to tell them to do that they were capable of doing, really, from a talent standpoint compared to who we were playing right, against. Right. And I'm just yeah. like... So after the game, a reporter comes up to me that's writing probably for NC State's newspaper or whatever. He goes, so where do you go from here? I said, we get in that van and we go back as quickly as possible. <laughs> and we just get there and we start practicing is what we do. <laughs> uh, it was humiliating. And I, I felt it for the girls, you know, and I'm like, oh, gosh, we just we looked so inept. And, and, and I think in addition to not being as talented overall, I think they were starstruck. Because the arena that they played in was different than the sure. one that we, we played in. And so there was a lot of uh, first yes. in that one. So once you get past those first, it gets That's better. That's hard in every, in every aspect of life. And so when you took this van back late at night, what did you have to do next? I would drop each one of the young ladies off at their residence hall. And then I would drive back to the Belk Gym at the time and drive into it and it was dark and there wasn't good lighting and i'm not going to say i wasn't scared i was i I would get out of the van i would have to unload all the equipment because i did not have assistant coaches or any support staff there and i would go into that gym by myself late at night no lights on uh and i had a flashlight with me i kept and i would go in and go to our little closet area and get the equipment put back in there then get in, park the van, get in my car, and drive to my apartment. Good gracious. Yeah. That Thank is... goodness times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> right. My gosh. On a lot of fronts. Um, speaking of times changing, so this is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and Title IX has had what sort of impact on, on your life, would you say? I would say that there's absolutely no question that I am a product of Title IX. I believe that if Title IX had not passed – I would not have had the opportunity at Charlotte that I had. Um, And it's just so, I'm so grateful for that in that regard. Um, And uh, you and I were speaking earlier, and I I think I told you in graduate school, Title IX passed in 1972, okay? But schools were not, universities were not implementing it in 1974-75 when I was at Tennessee working on my master's. So the federal government came out and said, if you decide that you are not going to abide by this law that was created, we are going to take away federal funding from your university. Now, athletics wasn't getting federal funding anyway, but the university was getting federal funding. And so all of a sudden, in the year that we are graduating from with our master's degree, the law is put in is is going to not only be interpreted it's going to be enacted and so they had to develop and start women's programs 
So every female in my graduate class was offered a college coaching job in, in some sport. And I, the guys in our class were really upset. I got to tell you, they were like, John would come in and he'd go, I'm the new junior high school f- football coach at Knoxville Junior High School. And we're like, yay, John got a job. That went well until we all started coming in saying, I was just offered this job. And one of the guys said, this is not fair. And we're like, oh, no, don't even go there. <laughs> right. Do not raise that ugly head because we are going to just jump all over you. It's our time now. Finally, you got a chance. Finally. Yes. But even now, I mean, do you think it's is it even between women? Is Title IX doing everything it should do? No, no, uh, it's not. And, and um, it is very difficult when you have the sport of football to be totally compliant with Title IX. But I think the majority of your Division I and II programs are making every effort to be compliant. Your, um, one of your great accomplishments at Charlotte, speaking of football, was instituting a football program at a school that uh, that had been an issue, a sore spot among some fans. Uh, for years. And so how did you make that happen? And was there any hesitancy about doing it? Because that, like you say, it skews a lot of things. It's so expensive. Um, There's a lot of things you have to get done. So what made you want to get football here? And and why do you consider it one of your best accomplishments? Well, you know, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I was selected uh, to be on the men's basketball, NCAA men's basketball selection committee. Uh, and while I was on that committee, Mike Trangizi was the chair of the committee that year, and he was the commissioner of the Big East. And he came over to me in one of our meetings, and he said, so what are you going to do with your basketball program? And I'm looking at him, not knowing what he's talking about. I said, we're pretty good. You know, we're probably in the tournament. We're pretty good. And he said, no, Judy, I mean, what are you going to do? Because there's getting ready to be another shift coming down the road in conference affiliations. And he said, and the conference you're in in right now, if you don't have football. And so I'm listening to him, and I'm like, okay. So I kept thinking about it. So I go back to Charlotte and I I talked to the chancellor then, Jim Woodward, and I'm like, we we really need to be thinking about how do we protect our revenue producing sport? And right now our revenue producing sport is men's basketball. And that is the only revenue producing sport that we have. And that helps us support all of our women's sports that don't have a revenue source. And, and so he said, Judy, we, we can't, we cannot do football. And so um, I kept on it and kept on it. And before I know it, the ACC decides to expand, and they take teams from the Big East. That's when Virginia Tech and Syracuse are. And then the trickle-down effect was Conference USA got robbed. Okay. Mm. So then when, how they were going to survive is well, we really need – football schools to replace the ones that left. And we really don't need the basketball schools. We don't need Marquette, DePaul, St. Louis, and Charlotte. Um, And so we left to go to the Atlantic 10. But my whole story in this is we didn't have football. And I tried to get us in the Big East then because I'm like, you know, we've got a good basketball program. Mm -hmm. But geographically, it didn't fit with the mix that they were doing. But I, I kept thinking in my mind, 
football is the driving force between all in, in all of this. And so I had my senior staff and myself eight years before we ever started football, we started meeting off campus. And I'm like, we don't know what we don't know because none of us have really been at a football school. So we've got to learn what we don't know. And so we started do, doing all kind of research. We're doing research in all of this. Well, the chancellor was prepared. We make our report to the chancellor. And, and we had folks in the committee that were on. Uh, recommending it, I guess. Recommending yes. it. And he says, well, I will agree to do, allow you to do a marketing analysis to see the 9-11 happen. Oh, this was way back. Yeah, okay. 9-11 yeah. happened, and he said, Judy, we can't do this now. Right. You know, we, it was not the right time. No. So it just got totally put on the back burner. Um, and then, but we never finished meeting and, and continuing. We continued to do this and, and to study and learn and to see what were the NCAA rules and how was it going to affect the rest of our program and what women's sports would we add if we did this. We were looking at the Title IX ramifications, everything. And then um, Mac Everett, who was chair of our trustees at the time, uh, had a luncheon meeting with the chancellor and myself. And Mac said, we met for lunch at the City Club uptown. I'll never forget it. And Mac goes, I knew why we were meeting. Mac and I were, yeah. were kind of in cahoots. <laughs> chancellor didn't really know why we were meeting. So we're meeting, and Mac goes, you know, Chancellor, now it's time. We need to add football. And Chancellor just kind of dropped his head in his hands. And he goes, the faculty are going to eat me alive. And, and we're like, no, they're not. No, they're not. We, we, we. He said, here's what I will agree to do. I will agree to appoint Mac to be chair of a committee to investigate, sort of like do a study like we'd already done mm -hmm. and, and been prepared for. And so we appointed, the Chancellor appointed various people, people on campus, faculty, athletic rep and different entities all involved in, in the community and we met and it was not private anymore i mean we, we weren't trying to keep it a secret and that committee came forward and made the recommendation to the chancellor and to the trustees to move forward with football wow. and i remember the chan uh, what mac everett said chancellor said we can't afford it and and mac said you'll never be able to afford it if you're waiting it's just going to get more expensive it's not going to get less. So Mac was a huge advocate for it. Wow. I didn't realize it had taken so many years. Did. To make the formal announcement, Athletics Director Judy Rose. In honor of two of Charlotte's greatest corporate and community leaders, the Charlotte 49ers football field will be named McCall Richardson Field. You were FBS by the... Third year? Am I yes. remembering that yes. right? Okay. Started in 2013 was your very first game. Yes. That must have been a big moment. Probably. It was. Yeah. And, and really, the first thing that we had with it um, was the spring game. Oh, okay. Spring, because that was our introduction. And, we, and we're like, okay, this is going to help us decide, do we have the right things in place? Because we did, in when we decided we were going to have football, we, we had six to seven committees that we developed. And we made sure that we had faculty members on each one of those committees uh, and that um, I was on the, the kind of every committee, but not I, I was intricately involved in the facility committee and in that. But we had a, a medical facility. 
We had an academic uh, uh, committee. Uh, we had uh, student life and how it was going to impact them, and we made sure we had all of the folks involved from the different entities on campus to, to buy into the program. But, you know, so when we had the spring game, that gave us an opportunity to say, okay, parking, egress, on and, on and off campus, are we getting people in here? It's a dry run for what we're going to be doing three months from now right. uh, when we have a contest. And, and it was packed, packed and overflowing oh, for the spring game. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Jerry Richardson Stadium. We'll get it booted and get us underway on a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in August. The first ever kickoff in Niner football is about to take place. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a success story um, with Will Healy now, and I was there this year when they upset Duke at that uh, I think their first first Power Five win, if I remember yes. that in the and that was a that was a magical night, kind of night you just don't get if you don't have uh, football. One thing football did for us that nothing else could do. We have a wonderful and highly successful soccer program, highly successful. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. But what we were not being able to take advantage of is what everybody that has football, bring your recruits in for all of your sports oh, right. on a football weekend. weekend sure. And they see all that hoopla and they participate mm -hmm. in it and it's fun. And we did not have that dynamic going on. You had to so, bring them to basketball, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. But you, it just didn't get the same effect because mm -hmm. the tailgating wasn't no, taking place. Right. Right. And so yeah. when we polled the coaches about adding football they all were so in favor of us adding football uh, it wasn't fear i mean i'm sure there was some fear of is this going to take away from my sport or whatever yeah. but it just enhanced and and the first year that we had football every weekend recruits that's where we brought them and it was it just made a huge difference that's interesting yeah i hadn't really thought of that that's a kind of an auxiliary benefit yes. but huge for yeah Thanks so much for listening to Sports Legends of the Carolinas. You've just heard the first half of our conversation, but there's much more to come. I have a great product to sell, young people. Uh, and, and we want them to have a good home while they're here. Uh, we want great facilities for them to compete in. For that, please purchase a premium subscription to our show, exclusively on Apple Podcasts. And for video of these interviews, visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends. Thanks to those of you that helped make this career path possible and for the incredible recognition and honor. Again, I am so humbled to be a part of this prestigious group of individuals. Thank you. I'm Scott Fowler, and this is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. This show is produced by Jeff Siner and Kata Stevens. And the director of audio at McClatchy is Davin Coburn. For lots more content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends and consider a digital subscription. Connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or by email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. See you next week.